0: You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one.
1: I did Hurts. Do First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles.
0: All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by Blade Podcast Network, and our partners are BetOnline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA Finals, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL Futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan-favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Head on over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first initial deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. I'm Connor Miles with my co host, Ed Crass as always. We're back with another episode of Eagles Unfiltered. So, for this episode, we're doing something a little bit special. We're gonna, Ed brought up the topics for today. We're gonna pick our players that are our underrated players for the 2022 season that are very vital for the eagle success and then we're going to pick the one valuable player not named Jalen Hurts that is crucial 100% mandatory for the eagle success in 2022 that player is going to be like the mvp of the offense that's not including Jalen Hurts so uh without further ado I'm going to start off with my three guys uh again we recorded this episode already but uh streamyard decided not to save it so this is part this is the redo that we're doing right now so if we speed through it along a little fast, it's just because we're trying to get through this episode after we're already doing it one time. Feel free to reach out on us on Twitter, Facebook, any social media you have us on to discuss either our picks or what you think should have been added, uh, either at, at Eagles Unfiltered at Connor Miles, that's High or at Crazy or Crazy. sorry. I'm sorry, man. I'm just trying to get through this. Hey, no right, man. Let's just, just knock like this
1: out,
0: baby. I'm, I'm, I'm still pumped. I'm still pumped, too. I just, you know, our original yeah. episode was... Very good. We did 45 minutes, and of course, Stream Yard threw it out the window. But without further ado, my yeah. list is going to be Darius Slay, number one. And the reason why I picked Darius Slay is because I know that the Eagles have other corners now. They brought in James Bradbury, who has proven to be a number one corner in the past. They have Avante Max as well, who uh arguably was a top three nickel corner last year in the NFL. But Darius Slay is the glue that holds the whole entire secondary together. Uh without him, again, the last two years he's been with the Eagles, he's been playing like a top five corner. Without him especially with the safety position being what it is. I think this whole entire secondary will continue to fall apart uh, if he wasn't part of it. So I think he's very incredibly vital to the Eagles' success this season. Uh, So I had to put him on my list. Number two would be Jason Kelsey. Uh, I don't think Cam Jurgens is ready to step in as a rookie. Again, remember, folks, he is a tight end transitioning to center. He's not like Landon Dickerson. He's not a polished product where he's played along across the offensive line in an SEC program like like Alabama uh, or Florida State at ACC. That has not happened. With Cam Jurgensen, he's still trying to figure out the center position. I do not want him starting year one. I think he's the perfect, perfect example to sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and learn it from a guy like Jason Kelsey. But without Jason Kelsey, and that chemistry too, even if Jason Kelsey goes down, and you have to resort to Cam Jurgensen. Your, your uh, chemistry on the offense line is completely thrown off. He's the one who tells Jalen Hurts who the blitzer is and everything like that. He calls out the mic. Uh, without Jason Kelsey, this team would fall apart, especially the offensive line. And then my third is going to be Brandon Graham. I know a lot of people are like, Brandon Graham, they just they just lost him and they went to the playoffs without him. Why, do, why are you saying Brandon Graham? The reason why I'm saying Brandon Graham is look at the defensive line's production uh, pressuring the quarterback without Brandon Graham. They were 31st in sacks last year. I know they added Hassan Reddick, and that changes a lot of what the Eagles can do uh, rushing the passer. But I think Brandon Graham is the heart and soul of this defensive line. And with that being said, I think he's the heart and soul of this pass rush he generates a pass rush. I think def- uh, offensive coordinators had to stay up at night, figuring out how to stop Brandon Graham or how to put some focus on Brandon Graham, and more so than we even talked about as analysts and fans. So I think with his return and having to uh, command so much attention from the offensive line and the offensive coordinators, I think that's going to open up opportunities for other guys around him like it did with Joshua and Derek Barnett uh, in years prior. So I think that's a guy, and Chris Long, excuse me, I think that's a guy that you really need this year to uh, be at least available for 14 games because he is the heart and soul of this defensive line. So my three picks are Darius Slay, Jason Kelsey, and Brandon Graham. And let's hear that.
1: Yeah, and they're all good picks. I mean, there's no wrong answers here. There's so many ways you could go with this. And like Connor said, if you want to reach out to us and give us your list, that'd be cool. I'd love to see it. Um, but yeah, Kelsey's a, a terrific one because, you know, this guy, you know, what's he made 124 straight starts, he has started every game for the Eagles since the middle of the 2014 season. I mean, that, that's just phenomenal. And yeah, it's nice that Cam Jurgens is in the house, but you know, is he going to be ready to play if something were to happen to Kelsey? I, I don't know. Um, but I, I think, you know, those are three really good names. Um, uh, mine are different. Um. But, you know, again, no wrong answers. So I think, you know, Jordan Malata to me is a, you know, he's got to figure out a way to, and, and he has, but he's got to stay healthy for all six seventeen 17 games. You know, if he misses a game here and there, okay. But Malata is very valuable to this team as your left tackle. Um, you know, if, if he were to go down, you know, Andre Dillard comes in and, you know, Andre Dillard, he's not bad, but he's not Jordan Malata. I mean, mulata. And Dickerson on that left side together, 700 pounds of humanity, forming that wall for Jalen Hurts, very important. And, you know, in his own way, Milata has become uh, a leader in, on that offense. Um, you know, he's a very likable guy. He keeps things nice and loose in the locker room. We saw him on The, uh, what was it, the Voice when he played the thingamabob. Yeah. Um, you know, he plays his ukulele in the locker room. He's just a fun-loving guy. And, you know, Brandon Graham does that on the defensive side. But mulata is so vital in that locker room with the way he approaches the game, the way he approaches life, um, not to mention the value of having him on the field for at least, I guess, 14 or 15 games. It's just vital to me. So, you know, Jordan Malata to me is, is probably at the top of my list. And then secondly, I would probably take A.J. Brown. Um, just because, you know, here's a guy the Eagles threw $100 million at to bring him in, and the big question of the offseason was who was going to play receiver. You know, we did all these mock drafts leading up to the draft, thinking, okay, who are they going to take, and are they going to take a receiver in the first round? But they they didn't need to. They brought in someone that has already proven himself in the NFL, three seasons, two of those over 1,000 yards. And what he does for this Eagles offense, in my opinion, is he helps Nick Sirianni, Sirianni unlock other pieces of the offense, you know, because he's such a threat on the perimeter. So you're going to have a middle part of the field that could be open on certain plays. You have Devontae Smith on the other side, but now you have someone in AJ Brown that you have to pay attention to. If you're a defense, he could even open up, you know, swing passes out of the backfield a little bit more often things. We didn't see a whole lot of last year. You know, we could see more of that. We could see more check downs from Jalen Hurts, um, you know, if they decide to take away the perimeter and your backs are open because your linebackers are paying attention to the middle of the field with Goddard uh, or Quez Watkins or Jalen Rager as your slot. So this guy just gives the Eagles so much of a different look on offense that he really is a big piece to this team um, that the Eagles added in the offseason. So we have a lot of Brown. And then my third one's a little outside the box, but I think it's, uh, you know, in the short term and the long term, pretty vital for Kenny Gainwell to stay healthy. Um, You know, he's a guy that the Eagles are hoping and expecting to make a big jump from year one to year two. When year one was pretty good, Uh, you know, he had sort of a limited role, but he still scored six touchdowns, five on the ground, one in the air, led the backs out of the backfield in receptions with 33 of them, and he's a guy that's going to be here not just this year but going forward in 2023 as well, whereas we don't know if Miles Sanders or Boston Scott will be back with this team beyond 2022. So I think the Eagles are going to really uh, get Gainwell involved in this offense Uh, everybody thinks Sanders, he's going to try to earn this contract and yeah, he'll have a role, but I think Kenny Gainwell is going to have a bigger role. And at some point during the season, I think we could see a transition maybe to Gainwell becoming that lead back and that featured back for this Eagles offense. So might be a little outside the box with Kenny Gainwell. There's other names that we could have mentioned here, but uh, those are my three Jordan Malata, AJ Brown, and, uh, and Kenny Gainwell.
0: Yeah, I don't think that Kenny Gimwell take is that hot either. Uh, he's bulked up this offseason noticeably. Uh, last time I seen him, he's looks like he's put on a ton of muscle. Uh, and and, that, and you, it, running backs do that when coaches tell them to. So I think it's fair to suggest that he's going to have a larger role this year. And if he does have a larger role, with more opportunities, I wouldn't be surprised if he supplants Miles Sanders. You know, yeah. Miles, Ed and I don't doubt Miles Sanders' talent. It's nothing to do with that. It's the consistency standpoint that's not there with him, unfortunately. Uh, and he's gotten worse, it seems like, every ever since his rookie year. I mean, uh, catching the ball, his vision's gotten worse, uh, and the consistency part. Uh, it's At this point, it's hard to say the Eagles gave him a second contract, and especially if Kenny Gainwell emerges the way that, that they envisioned him to this year, a guy that they drafted, mind you. This wasn't, they didn't draft Miles Sanders. They inherited Miles Sanders. They drafted Kenny Gainwell. Uh, wouldn't be surprised. I really don't think that's that much of a scorching take there at all.
1: And, and let's not forget, too, Kenny Gainwell missed – You know, he didn't play his final season at Memphis um, because of the COVID situation. He opted out uh, to play and to stay healthy and to keep those around him healthy. Um, So, you know, he came into last year having not played in two years. And, you know, that's pretty significant. And maybe that had a a hand in the Eagles, uh, you know, kind of not really putting too much on his plate. Um, but then, of course, Jordan Howard emerged. Howard is no longer part of this team. He's still available should the Eagles opt to bring him in. Um, but right now it looks like it's going to be Gainwell Scott, Miles Sanders, and uh, Ken, uh, Jason Huntley is, is in that mix. And then they brought in an undrafted free agent from Oklahoma who played uh, with with Hertz uh, at Oklahoma in Kennedy Brooks. And we'll see what he can deliver uh, to this offense, if anything. Remember, there's 16 practice squad Births um, that that the team can utilize, and I expect to see you know a running back or two on that receivers. Um, but but to me, Kenny Gainwell, this is his opportunity in year two to kind of step up. And I know that the Eagles led the league in rushing last year, um, and Gainwell was part of that. But I just think that Gainwell has the skill set Nick Sirianni likes to play with. He can catch the ball out of the backfield that for some reason has been a struggle for Miles Sanders the last couple years. years. Um, so yeah, to me, Gainwell fits what Nick Suriani wants to do. And that's why I have him, you know, on my list here of, of three players.
0: And Mulata, I think, you know, you're paying him all this left tackle money to be one of the top left tackles in this league. Eventually you're going to want to stop, you know, forcing him to the right side just to, you know, change your pace when Lane Johnson gets hurt. Yeah. You, you want to yeah. cement the guy at his position uh, that you're paying him for. And yeah. I, I agree with you. You made this point in the last episode that on the last episode, the last recording that Andre Diller is not as good as Jordan Malata. And that's true. That's true. It's fair. I think there is a talent gap between the mm-hmm. two. Uh, yes. Andre Diller could be a serviceable starter and replace Jordan Malata, but how effectively can it replace Jordan Malata? I think that's a fair question to have because if he's out for an extended period of time or has to play right tackle for an extended period of time, that left side of the line could falter, especially with uh, the duo you're trying to create with him and Landon Dickerson. You know, you're trying to make Leonard Dickerson and him anchor the left side of the line for years to come. Uh, You're going to want to stop tinkering with that eventually, and putting too much on Jordan Melada's play by moving him to right tackle because I just don't—I don't think that's the right move. Yeah, and
1: and listen, nothing against Andre Dillard. I think Andre Dillard, you know, he could make some teams' starting lineup at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's a solid player, but he's just not Jordan mulata I don't think when it comes to the talent level, and and I mentioned the locker room stuff too. I mean, I. You know andre doward's more of an introvert likes to read a book and that's all well and good but you know jordan malata is an outgoing guy that you know people kind of gravitate towards and he's been very vocal about jalen hurts and really you know calling him our leader and wanting to keep him upright and feels horrible whenever he gives up a sack or he gets sacked um you know he he's all in on jalen hurts he's all in on this team and, and he's all in on that locker room and i just think that's infectious and that really helps build chemistry uh, on an offensive line so you know if you were to go down i think that would be pretty devastating uh maybe not as much on the field but in the locker room but but, but certainly on the field too i mean Dillard to me can be a fine left tackle but he's not jordan a
0: and the one player that almost made my my three answers uh but i just couldn't you know in my head justify putting him over one of those three guys was devontae smith you know yeah. i know that you're talking about aj brown and everything but uh Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown are best friends. Yes, we know that. But they never played football together. So they've never been on – uh, besides practicing, they never actually played the game of football together uh, at a competitive pace. Devontae Smith and him have, and they already have chemistry built together. And mm-hmm. I think if Devontae was to go down at some point, especially early in the early goings of it, it would be really tough for Jalen Hurts to readjust uh, to building up that chem- – I mean, again, A.J. Brown's talent is is – astronomical he's a top 10 wide receiver so I don't think this adjustment would be that hard but it's still going to be an adjustment to you get your same get on the same page chemistry wise when you already had that with Devontae Smith so I think Devontae Smith is incredibly crucial to this team this year as well absolutely uh, we can't forget his impact
1: yeah I mean and you talk about jumps from year one to year two we did it with Gainwell that jump and you know w- we should see the same sort of leap from Devontae Smith he, he was just what was he had 916 yards receiving yeah. nearly Became the Eagles' first thousand yard receiver since Jeremy Macklin in 2014. Um, you know, he, he should get close to those numbers again this year, if not go over a thousand. But yeah, you could put certainly put Smith on that list. And again, like we said, no wrong answers. You, you know, you look you could look at Darius Slay, you know, and I and I thought about putting James Bradbury on my list. I mean, big offseason free agent signing came late. Um, but you know, now he gives the Eagles, you know, uh, Book cornerbacks that they haven't had since, you know, when uh, Lito and Sheldon uh were in the league or Bobby Taylor and and, and uh, Troy Vincent. I mean, it's been a while. Asante Samuel was uh, you know, a great cornerback for the Eagles. I but- they
0: played one year with Sheldon Brown, everybody likes to forget yeah. that, but that was like Sheldon's like worst season as the Eagle and they had to move on immediately after that. But yeah, I it's true, yeah,
1: yeah. I just think it's great. And I and listen, Slay's the pro bowler, Bradbury's coming off the year where you know, he you know, they analytically, I guess he struggled, right? I mean, some things have been pointed out that he gave up some yards. He wasn't one of the top 20 cornerbacks ranked by pro football focus, but he did have four interceptions. He was the Giants' top cornerback, um, and, and I'll take that. I'll take that every day, uh, James Bradbury opposite Darius Slay, and it'll be interesting to see what opposing offenses do, how they attack, uh, which side of the field they attack, whether they go after Slay who had the terrific season last year where they go after Bradbury. I think initially you could see teams try to go after Bradbury yeah. because they don't want to mess with Slay on the other side. And now Bradbury's going to have to show that, yeah, I'm the same pro bowl player that I was two years ago. And yeah, I may have had a down year last year, but I still had four picks. I'm still a threat uh, to shut guys down. And if it's an errant throw, I'm going to pick it off. Um, so I could put Bradbury on that list just as easily as you put Slay on there, but I, I opted not to. I went, uh, you know, I went a different direction. But, you know, certainly Bradbury's a big piece uh, that the Eagles need to stay healthy, too, because what do they have after him? I mean, a bunch of unproven guys, and that's why he's here. Uh, you know, you have the J- Zach McPherson's and Tay Gallen's and Kerry Vincents um, that were probably going to battle for that outside spot. Now they just bring the depth, those players. It gives them another year to develop. But uh, Bradbury, to me, very integral piece, has to stay healthy because he really gives – uh, the Eagles, that other shut down corner opposite Slay.
0: And I agree with that answer just because I think you and I are both, you know, uh, convinced at least at Rise of right now that I don't think Darius Slay is going to shadow the number one wide receivers. I think this scheme is going to be, uh, they're so confident in James Bradbury. They're so confident in Monte Maddox. They're so confident in Darius Slay where they can just let them stay in their spots. Exactly.
1: Right. I mean, that's going to be interesting. I mean, it's too early to be asking Gannon that, you know, uh, right. Certainly, you know, you have to go through training camp and and see how it all unfolds. But, yeah, you could have Bradbury follow the best receiver or slay. So why not just play them, say, hey, you're going to be the right guy, you're going to be the left guy, and you're going to get better at that on those sides of the field, and you're going to stay there. Now, if something happens in-game where a guy goes out for a few plays, then maybe a shadow. But I think the game plan initially could very well be that, is just play your corners. Just play on your side of the field and worry about doing the best job you can do on that side of the field. If it's against, you know, CD lamb or whoever you're, you're getting the guy that lines up on that, that spot. So, yeah, I think it's a good question to, you know, keep an eye on going forward.
0: That's why I think he is, could be thrown into as a candidate for these uh, responses as well. And, uh, I think another one is, and we talked about it, is Jordan Davis. Yeah. and Jordan Davis as well. I think, you know, the drafting of Jordan Davis, uh, Really signaled that you're changing your defense schematically. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are talking about the three-four hybrid and uh, are they leaving the four-three base or are they switching from this? Uh I think they're gonna play multiple fronts because it's an ever-changing league and it's a matchup dictated league. I think that's what the Eagles would like to do, is they don't want to put a label on what they are as a defense scheme. They want to uh play adhered uh, adhere to their matchups. And I think that they're doing so by taking a guy like Jordan Davis and having a guy like Hassan Reddick and having the linebackers that they possess now. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of people are hyping up that Joshua uh, standing up as a stand up rusher in some of these OTA clips, but he's done that before. You know, they've asked him to stand up and rush the passer before. So, I mean, this isn't something new that they're implementing. And I just think, you know, they have more pieces in place that fit what Jonathan Gannon wants to do from a schematic standpoint or where you can play these multiple fronts, you can play these different schemes. So I don't think that this defense is going to be defined by a certain scheme. I think it's going to be multiple fronts, and I think the selection of Jordan Davis allows you to do so because I go back to that Detroit game. Like it was a really, really boring game. There, He was one 44-6. Nobody really paid attention to it because it was such a blowout. But in that game, they tried to play multiple fronts on the defensive side of the ball. They really tried to set the tone with a nose tackle Uh and in this case, it was Marlon Tudapolo, or I can't get his last name. Tui Pueloto, I think. Tui Loto. Tui, Pouloto. Tui Pouloto. Okay, gotcha. Well, they tried to do it with him. Didn't work. He got pushed back, abused, everything under the sun. And they really did try to make him the nose tackle. Now that they bring in Jordan Davis, a guy who is really, really talented, has the fit, the build to be able to do so. Uh, really, like, I really compare what his impact will be to like a guy like uh, Vita Vea over at Tampa Bay Buccaneers, again, he's their best player on defense, and nobody will tell you that because everybody looks at the box scores, whereas he's the reason why the, those box scores are the way they are for guys like Shaq Barrett, guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, guys like Devin White, uh, Levante David. Vita Vea sets it all up, up front for them to do so. Uh, I think Jordan Davis will do the same type of impact for the Eagles. I don't think his box score is ever going to jump out at you, but I think his impact of how he is enabled able to produce... Uh, everybody else's box scores, like Asan Reddicks, like Brandon Graham, Josh Swett's, uh so on and so forth, I think it's going to be noticeable. So I do think that he should be included in this list this year because the selection of him signaled that you're going to be changing your defense from a schematic standpoint uh, routinely week to, on a week-to-week basis just by just picking him, moving up and picking him in the same manner that you pick Fletcher Cox. So I think Jordan Davis does have to be thrown in here. And I will remind the folks that are listening, the Eagles' first-round picks, outside of Andre Dillard, and the only reason why that happens is because of injury. Outside of Andre Dillard, all their first round picks have played. They put their first round picks on the field immediately to see what they got in them. Whether it's Derek Barnett, Carson Wentz, uh George, even Jalen Rager. You know, even Jalen Rager last year, they they forced him out on the field because the politics of being a first round pick. Um Devonte Smith this past year. You know, these first round picks play for the Eagles, so they're gonna want to see what they have in Jordan Davis. And I'd expect him to be on the field a noticeable amount. I know Ed has it at uh, I think he said fifty percent of the snaps. I well, got so- it at- Yeah, good. Yeah, I got it at like 40, 41. I think you'll see him at like 41% of the snaps this year. Well,
1: someone asked me what I thought the percentage would be in in snaps. And, you know, I always look back at Fletcher Cox. You know, he came into the league, right, drafted right around the same place Jordan Davis was, and he played 49% of the snaps as a rookie. And I could certainly see – Davis playing that number. I mean, Jonathan Gannon has already told us that he's going to be on the field even in pass rush situations. So he, he was a two down player, more or less at Georgia, but that was because what, that's what Georgia needed him to be. But, you know, he's got the skill set, he's got the explosion uh, to, to rush the passer and he'll do so from that, you know, probably right up, you know, one of the uh, a gaps and, you know, between the guard and the tackle, I'm sorry, between the guard and the center. Um, you know, and no quarterback likes pressure in his face. He's a tall guy, six six. If he comes in with his hands up, uh, you know, it could alter that type of quarterback that likes to get the ball out quickly, uh, you know, because Davis will be right in his face, waving his arms, looking to bat that ball down. Um, you know, people talk about his conditioning as maybe a reason why he didn't play uh as all three downs at the University of Georgia. I don't think that's really the case. Maybe he came into camp at Georgia a little bit out of shape, but When we talked to him, he weighed 345 pounds is what he said. He said he wants to play in the 330s. He's not that far off. Certainly, you know, when you start sweating it out in the, you know, July, August training camp days, that weight comes off pretty quickly. So I think he's right where he wants to be uh, heading into the summer. Uh, But I just think that he'll be used quite a bit. And like you mentioned, you know, you alter your scheme a little bit. You're going to see a lot of five-man fronts with him parked right over the center's head. You'll see some three-man fronts. You're going to see a lot of odd-man fronts. You'll see three-man fronts where he could, again, be over the center. But, you know, Gannon also said you can move him up and down that line. You know, you're not going to play him on the end, but you can move him, you know, over a guard's head or, you know, a little bit uh, bit further out even than that. So, you know, he gives you some flexibility on that line, and he's going to be a weapon on that defense. So that's why I kind of feel like he's going to play – maybe half of the defensive snaps in this defense. Gannon's going to use them, um, And then maybe next year you start to see a higher amount of uh, snaps for him.
0: Fletcher Cox had a half – he had seven, seven seven and a half sacks during his collegiate career. He played right. – we played one last season than Jordan Davis did, but Jordan Davis had seven. So let's, let's pump the brakes on like, whoa, he's this and that, and realize maybe the college – coaches are asking these guys to do certain things that the NFL won't ask them to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, because the, the production was there for both of them and they both played around the same amount as a defensive tackles. And they were asked to do different things other than rush the passers in college. Um, I don't think that's going to be signal what they do in the NFL and Fletcher Cox proved that to be uh, the case. So I think Jordan Davis will do so as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Jordan Davis, another key player. I think that has to stay healthy because he is being relied on to help this defense with its personnel groupings Week in and week out, depending on the matchup.
0: So, who do you think is going to be the most valuable player to the Eagles this year, other than Jalen Hurts, for their twenty twenty two success? Yeah, we can't put Jalen Hurts in there because you know that's a cop out answer. Everybody's gonna that would be that would be the answer. Everybody picks
1: right, right. But I I say you know uh, I put Lane Johnson in there um, just because you know the right tackle. He you know he is getting up there in years, but he's still so very valuable to this team. You know, when he left last year in early October to battle, you know, anxiety and depression, and thankfully he, you know, he, he was able to return from that. Um, you know, he, he was missed, you know, the team went one and two in those games. And, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, what they are without Lane Johnson in the, in the, uh, you know, starting since 2014, they have a 12 and 21 record. I mean, that, that's pretty significant to be nine games under 500 without Lane Johnson in there. So, you know, that's one reason why I think he could be the MVP of this team other than Jalen Hurts. Also, because if he were to get hurt at right tackle, what we saw last year in October when he did leave the team was they moved Mulata over uh, and put Andre Dillard in at left tackle, and Mulata played right tackle. Mulata is not as good as a, a right tackle uh, as Lane Johnson is. You know, he just isn't. I mean, he's a good player. He's a solid player at left tackle, obviously a superstar, in my opinion, in the making. But, you know, his performance goes down a level when he moves to right tackle. Now, maybe that'll be different this year. Maybe, you know, the OTAs and training camp, he'll see some time at left tackle or right tackle just to kind of prepare him for that event. But even still, if they were to move Malata over, you still have Andre Dillard, who to me is a good player, but he's not Jordan Malata. Um, I think Dillard's a solid player, can start for a lot of teams in this in this league, but he's just not Jordan Mulata. So what do you have after that if you don't move Malata to cover for Johnson should something happen to him? Uh, you have Jack Driscoll. He's probably going to contend to start at guard. I think he's better at guard. You have LaRaven Clark, who, you know, he hasn't uh, – play he played 4 games last year 12 the year before when he tore his Achilles now he's 2 years older i mean we don't know what kind of player Le Raven Clark can be if he needs to kind of step in there for for a you know a month or two so to me Lane Johnson it's, it has to be the MVP he has to play at least 14 15 games this year if not all 17 uh because this line is just simply better with Lane Johnson at right tackle
0: no, I agree with you completely. I think Lane Johnson is the only correct answer. If you want me to be straight up honest with you. Uh, yeah, you can, go, you can go, you can go multiple ways with this, of course, but I think, I think the only correct answer is Lane Johnson, but for the sake of answering a different answer, I'm going to pick Dallas Goddard just because I don't and, think they have a backup tight end, even cow Cal- any, any close to what Dallas Goddard can be for them as a tight end one. Even if Grant Keller ends up being, you know, because the Eagles do expect him to be the tight end too and to be a good one at that. And I think he does have potential. It was really just the concussion and retiring from football history that really dropped him down the board. And uh Reed trying to you know restart his uh football career on the fly, I think that's what dropped him down the boards the most. He has talent for sure. This isn't Dallas Goddard, we're talking about this isn't Zach Ertz, we're talking about uh back when they had Ertz and Goddard together, one of them went down. You knew you had the other, you don't have that anymore. All right. Uh, so I think and he's gonna be a huge vocal part of their offense this year. I'm talking like, a th- I think he's going to have a thousand yards. I really do. Um, so I think Dallas Goddard's going to be con- incredibly vital for this season, especially if you're talking about wanting to evaluate Jalen Hurts and becoming a more of a passing offense than a running offense and be more 50-50, less than one-dimensional. Uh, Dallas Goddard's going to be a huge uh, beneficiary of that this year because of all the open space he's going to get. Again, he's got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on the outside. He has Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager Speed on the inside. He has Zach Pascal's sure hands in the red zone uh, complimenting him. It's going to be a great year for Dallas Goddard. I think he's going to get 1,000 yards. Yeah, he's certainly going to find some open
1: spaces on this field when you have to guard the perimeter like defenses will have to do with Brown and Smith. Um, and, and you know, he missed uh, only – I think he missed one game last year with a concussion, and he missed the other – it was the season finality against Dallas when all the starters – uh, took the week off, and, you know, he still had uh, 56 catches for 830 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, you know, when you look at that, you you don't realize, man, he was close to 1,000 yards. But, you know, I want to see a receiver go over 1,000 yards. That's what I want to see because, like I mentioned earlier, they haven't had one of those in a while. It would be great to see Goddard go over 1,000, but I want to see Smith or Brown hit that mark as well. Now, could both do it? Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe, I guess they could. I mean, there's only one ball. Um, if they have two guys over 1,000 yards, man, this offense will be, you know, they'll be putting up 28 points a game. It's got to be a lot of yak opportunity because
0: the, there's only so yeah. many balls that can go around.
1: Yeah, and that's <laughs> what A.J. Brown's good at. Brown's great with the yak, right? I
0: mean, he's a, hes like he turns into a running back and yeah. he gets the ball in his hands. Same so, with Goddard. Yeah. That's why if I had to pick yeah. two, it would be them to go for the 1,000 yards. Because I do think the Eagles could possibly have 2,000-yard receivers. Wow. I Only yeah, they're going to be- have three. Yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be, that'd be dramatically crazy because they can't even get one to get do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I like the pick of Goddard because you're right. The depth there, you know, Grant Calcaterra seventh round pick rookie, you know, what kind of impact can he make? You know, you have Tyree Jackson. We don't know when he's going to be back from the torn ACL that he suffered, uh, you know, in the regular season finale last year in early January. Um, I don't think he'll be ready, uh, for week one in Detroit um and then there's jack Stoll, who you know is a better blocker than pass catcher now again year one to year two we've talked about it with these guys he's another guy in that in that mix from year one to year two can he up his game and you know can he run the routes uh, to me he just looks like you know he's kind of a possession type of guy i don't think he's going to scare anybody in yards after catch but you know maybe he can be a big third down contributor get open uh, but he's more of a blocker, so you're right. After that, then who you have uh, Richard Rodgers, who you know has been up and down with this team for the last few years. A real veteran now, you know. Maybe they, you know, try to give him a look. But Dallas Goddard needs to, uh, if he can be healthy,
0: uh, he can be the
1: MVP, who's not named Jalen Hurts.
0: Did they bring Richard Rodgers back? Yeah, he's on the roster. He's on the roster. Okay, because I, I remember earlier I couldn't remember if he's still there or not. I mean, either way. He's one of the him and Jordan Howard are always those players that are on the side that even if they're free agents, that you know eventually they're gonna be Eagles. And I think Jordan Howard's gonna be on the practice squad at some point this year. He could be. He I, could I wouldn't be. be surprised. I mean, that's what they did last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up happening again. Uh it yeah. can't be 24 this time, though. They gave your number away quick this time to James Bradbury. But uh <laughs> he wore 28 once, he rocked it well. Uh, can't wear it again either. Handy Harris has that. But anyways, no. yeah. I do think I I do think when they're when you're looking at the running back and again this is totally off topic but if you look at the running back situation and you're worried about a little bit i wouldn't be i wouldn't be at all they it, when one of those guys goes down they bring in a guy during the mid-season like a jordan howard and they produce because he gets the offense so I don't, I don't i'm really worried about the running back situation or the death or anything like that i want to see what kenny brooks can do before uh, uh we start getting into those conversations about jordan howard again anyways but I think those are good picks. I think we both made some great picks right there. Yeah. If you have different picks or disagree or actually, well, I mean, you can't really disagree. This is all opinionated. But if right. you think that we botched it and missed one, because I'll tell you, one person that we did miss, and we did we missed the first time we recorded too. Jake Elliott. What if Jake Elliott went down? Yeah. That'd be bad. <laughs> you know, they got the Eagles got very very fortunate when Caleb Sturges got injured to luck into Jake Elliott. Yeah. Brought him in off the Bengals' practice squad. Exactly. It doesn't just happen like that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, usually when you bring in the kicker after your kicker gets injured, that kicker doesn't really work out. Yeah. Or there's some struggles. That's a good one. That's definitely a good one.
1: You, you could say the same about Anthony Harris. You know, when you look at, you know, what happens if something happens to him? He's a veteran on that back end at safety. They yeah. didn't bring back Rodney McLeod. Um, You know, Marcus Epps, everybody's concerned about Marcus Epps. I I honestly believe Marcus Epps will be fine. I think you you do as well, Connor. But Mm -hmm. it's the depth of safety. You know, after those two guys, you have Kayvon Wallace, who is in his third year now. I think injuries kind of have stalled his momentum uh, early in his career here. Hopefully he can stay healthy. But after that, it's Kayvon, it's Jared Maiden, and Andre Ciceri. Um, you know, the depth isn't great and, you know, Harris is a veteran and, you know, he's not great, but he's a steady, reliable player who knows how to communicate on that back line. And I think that's vital. And if they were to lose him, man, you know, now you're real young and now you're real inexperienced at that safety spot. Now, something could change this summer, you know, how he could pull a move and bring another safety in here. I suspect he's going to. Uh, But right now, Anthony Harris certainly needs to be mentioned there. And then someone else, Connor, who people might be saying, well, why not Hassan Reddick here in this conversation? You know, pass rush specialist paying him 15 million a year, 23 and a half sacks the last two years. Eagles need a double digit sack guy. Reddick can be that guy. They haven't had one since Fletcher Cox in 2018. Certainly Hassan Reddick could be on these lists and might be on some of the listeners as well. But um, you know, to me, I just you know I just didn't put him there because I think the Eagles have good depth at linebacker. Uh, I think they're still going to be able to figure out ways to rush the passer with the way they've improved their personnel on that side of the ball. But Reddick is a huge piece to this team, no doubt.
0: No doubt at all. And I did consider adding him as well, but I think the only reason why I didn't is because the last two years have really clicked for Hassan Reddick. You know, Vance Joseph utilized him to his correct way of utilizing him and. Scott Frost co- coached him at Temple, so when in Carolina, he knew how to use him immediately. But we're getting, he's going to a coach that's never had him before, never coached yeah. him before, Jonathan And I mean, clearly you make this signing with the role envisioned for Reddick, or you don't, because you gave him so much money. You obviously know that you're going to use him the same way as that Joseph and, and Frost did. So all this is hypothetically speaking, but it's not a guarantee that it works out. It's a projection. And I'm sure the projection will be right, and he will work out. But it's still a projection at this point, and I couldn't go with the projection over these sure things like Darius Slade, Jason Kelsey, and, and Brandon Graham because I know what these what they look like when those guys are off the field. Right. It's bad. It's not right. a good situation when those guys are on the field for the Eagles. So Absolutely. I don't know what this team looks like without Hassan Reddick on the field or off the field. So that's the only reason why I could not put him in my answers yet. If you do, I do not blame you. Right. It's definitely a case to be made because the Eagles – were 31st in sacks last year. That cannot happen again. When you no. invest so much money in your defense, your, your philosophies of your teams, even with this new coaching staff, is to win in the trenches. And if you're getting 31st in sacks, you're not winning in the trenches at all. You're losing every single chance. So I'd, I, they have to be way better in the production of that, uh, getting after the quarterback. And uh, 31st in sacks won't get it done. And I know Hassan Reddick's here to boost that, but Brandon Graham is really the key to getting that all better. Uh, he didn't. Again, this we're talking about a guy who doesn't even get ten sacks regularly in a season, but he commands so much attention from the offensive line. Uh, he's so vital to the success of the Eagles' defensive line, and he proved it last year with him not being on the field. Uh, that's the only reason why I had to put him over Hassan Reddick in that situation.
1: You can even move Graham down inside, you know, as he's getting a little bit yeah. older now. You know, maybe he finds more of a home on the interior of that defensive line. Um, but you know, his flexibility and his leadership are just very key and you did have them on your list of players that have to stay healthy for this team to have success and that's certainly a good name and um, you know I I, I have no problem with that and I don't have any problem with you know any of these guys on our list and I'm sure people will have different lists and that's fine you know I just you know this is just food for thought generate some conversation and and hopefully we've done that.
0: All right, well thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you guys next week and let us know what you think of our list or if you think that there were some answers that we missed that you should be highlighted and We'd like to discuss with that with you again, at Carmel's SI on Twitter, at Kraz E on Twitter, and then at Eagles on Filter. We'll see you guys on Twitter or social media, anywhere on social media. We'll see you guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the
1: ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,